Hello, East Glenville Community Church. This is Jessica Munn with episode 19 of So, I Have a Question. And today we're talking about the teaching from February 27th. Uh, so... Yeah, so Jessica. Yes. I have a question. Okay. Um, I started off with, I guess you'd call it an adapted parable. Mm-hmm. What, can you kind of give us a rundown of what that was and like... Did the points I made connect with what I was saying later? What were those points? Yeah. Yep. So you, this is a memory test, so we're going to see how I do. Uh, So you started with the parable, or you started with a parable about a vineyard. Um, And the idea was that there was a gardener or a vine dresser who, you know, built the vineyard, got all of the, everything that was needed for it to flourish set everything up, and the vines just refused to produce good fruit. Mm -hmm. And so, like, he kept, you know, trying, weeding, tending to it, trying different things, and it just never worked. And so the gardener just said, forget it, this isn't working, I'm going to completely restart over. Um, So he, like, let, um, kind of ripped everything up, let it get overgrown, and then restarted and used a very specific vine that was good for that soil um, so that and started there and had it continue to grow um, and only used that one shoot to produce their entire vineyard um, and so the so the connections was that like Israel was the first um, garden like God wanted to produce good fruit and like justice and um what's the other one righteousness thank you that was it um and so he you know he chose his people israel used them to create the vineyard gave them everything they needed for success except it never worked Mm -hmm. um and so you know as a starting over he let them go into exile he started over with jesus being the source um and then had his new kind of nation church grow from Jesus. Yes. Yeah, that's the basic story. The only part I would add was the whole idea of the, the wealthy man who wanted this vineyard to to bring glory, mm-hmm. right? To yes. display for all to see. Mm-hmm. And I, I still make that point that with Israel, the goal that they were to follow God's ways, that they could show the world what God was really like. Right. And they couldn't do it because of the corruption of their sin. And only Jesus, by starting with him, could that could that happen. Yeah. And the 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 theme that keeps coming up is Jesus that you will bear much fruit to show show that um you're a disciple to the glory of God, to mm-hmm. the glory of the Father. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. Well so I have a question. Okay. Because part of your adapted parable and your take on John 15, where we were for like the main part of our passage was, was that you, you stated that Jesus modified a parable from Isaiah 5. Uh, and or modified, expanded, built upon, whatever you want to call it. And uh-huh. I was curious, like, how often does Jesus do that? Because I, I did not know of the Isaiah 5 connection for this one. Yeah. Um, and the answer is a lot. So I, I thought of a few others where he, 
you know, the one of the more famous ones, of course, is the Lord is the shepherd of the Old Testament, Psalm 23 or mm -hmm. Psalm 96. And then Jesus says, I am the good shepherd, mm -hmm. you know, and he, so I'm the, he's the true vine. Yeah. He's the good shepherd, um, the, you know, that, that lays down his life for the, for the sheep. So he does that there. And probably even the most prominent was, was where, where Jesus says, I am the bread of life. Mm -hmm. And he says that in the context of referring to the manna, the, the bread that comes down from heaven, just like the, in the old Testament, the manna came mm. down and fed the Israelites. And so he was certainly drawing on, on the manna image. So I, I could, I'm sure there's others, but those are some of the more clear ones. Okay. Yeah. And he was drawn on the, 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 the stuff his, you know, the disciples or even just the people in general would have known. Right. So they, he could, because they had grown up learning the old Testament, Hebrew Bible, mm -hmm. um, he could use those. Yeah. Yeah. So for the Isaiah five passage, is there any like additional context for that passage that you didn't get to dive into? Well, um, yeah, I mean, I got in a little bit just to clarify. So Isaiah was one of the later prophets. This is after, you know, hundreds of years after King David. Mm hmm. And it had been a long slide from King David. And yeah. even though King David had sinned and done wrong, he still was the pinnacle of, you know, and and by the time of Isaiah, you know, the, the kings had been corrupt and oftentimes the prophets had become corrupt mm -hmm. and the priests had become corrupt. And it seemed like no matter what God would do, it, you know, at best it would be a short-lived renewal. Right. And so God is now getting to the point, and he says it in the parable, he's going to withdraw his protection and allow them to face destruction. Um, and, and again, in Isaiah's time, they were the, the 12 tribes are split in half mm -hmm. between the north and Israel and the south and Judah. Um, and each would face a different enemy, but both would be dispersed. Um, now God would bring them back and and... The only thing I'd say that was probably wrong about my parables, and it's hard to convey, like, even though he was starting over with Jesus, the, the Israel, the, the Jewish people still, it still flowed from them. You know, as Paul says, salvation comes from the Jews. Mm -hmm. um, you know, the gospel first goes to the Jews. Like, God had not rejected them, nor... They still played a part in in bringing about the the Jesus and all the first disciples were Jewish, mm -hmm. so even though the maybe the it was only a remnant, that remnant of Jews who who did respond to Jesus became part of that initial vineyard or based around Jesus was key to the church. Right, I think there's one parable or one prophecy in the Old Testament uh, where it's like you know the stump of Israel gets cut down, but then there's the the new sh shoot. That grows yes. out of it. That's one of the Christmas ones. Yes. Uh, out of the stump of Jesse will we'll, we'll, we'll grow a new shoot, and it's talking about the Messiah. Mm -hmm. Yeah, exactly right. Yeah. So in that, like, because outside of that that context, because in the parable, like, God is is pretty much just like, yeah, I'm going to remove my protect protection and just, like, let everyone else have at you type of thing. Right. And that can seem kind of harsh, but you're saying, like, it's, like... God never really ultimately forsakes them. Correct. 
but it's still harsh. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> okay. I mean, you could try, you know, for the people of that time, mm-hmm. it would have seemed horrific. And in some ways, it's it's not fair and, you know, equitable in how it falls. One generation mm. gets the full brunt while others had, had been complacent in their sin for a long time. Mm. But, you know, it, I guess if you're dealing with the people as a whole, it, it's fair. Mm-hmm. But for some, that that judgment that finally came was much more difficult. Mm-hmm. Um, but God was still in the midst of that working his plan. And it's a whole nother sermon, a whole nother story. But even in allowing the Jewish people to go into exile was part of God's refining process that, that enabled them to... So that by the time of Jesus, the one thing they, they knew not to do was worship other gods. So <laughs> he finally got that part established. That's true. And other and they became a people of the book. Mm-hmm. And so they learned things in that. Um, but that doesn't mean it wasn't harsh. Right. Yeah. The, um, you know, we, we, you could talk about the, the father, you know, this is my father is the gardener. I imagine to the shrub being pruned feels pretty harsh, mm-hmm. you know, and, and you gotta be very, uh, you, know, you gotta attack it to, you know, and rip things out. And, yeah. and, you know, there's another place where it talks, where I think it's Hebrews where it says, you know, if you're experiencing discipline from God, be glad because that means he's your father. Mm. You know, if God doesn't care about you and he lets you go off and do whatever, that's actually worse. If he cares about you, he will discipline you to try to correct you. Right, right. It's not a lack of protection of the vineyard because of neglect. Yeah. It's a lack of protection because of discipline. Yes. And there's a there's a difference there. Yeah. Yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah. I have a question for you. Okay. That's different from any we talked about. <laughs> but, so I made the case... That for me, especially when I was in on Young Life staff, this was the most common passage that that especially like leadership weekends or discipleship training that that are uh, that they would just pull out. And I was curious if you have any experience like that. I it was funny because you were explaining that, and I was thinking of the last time I did an in person conference. Um, it was like a weekend conference with InterVarsity. I was in the, I forget what the, like, official name of the track was, but it was, like, the Exploring Jesus slash New Christian track. Okay. And, like, this was one of the passages that we sat with. Okay. Um, And so I was like, yep, definitely have experienced this a bunch of times because, like, having the focus of the, like, you need to, like, be sure in order to grow, you need to uh-huh. abide. Okay. Um, so. That it's such a clear teaching about the f- Keeping your relationship for, with Christ yeah. at the center. Yep. Okay. I wondered, and it, it truthfully, it may be a parachurch thing. Because some of the church people, I've, I've asked others, and others haven't said, well, no, this doesn't seem to be. But everyone who, who affirms it has been a per- parachurch person. That makes so. sense. Yeah. There you go. Yeah. Um. Yeah, so something that I liked about the the additional context that you brought with the Isaiah 5 passage that is more than just the, like, remain in Jesus, uh-huh. normal parachurch takeaway, um, was the fact that, like, 
the way Jesus reshapes this parable or builds on the initial parable is pretty much him screaming like, I am the Messiah. Um, yes. And so like how many times, cause you know, Jesus never flat out says like, I am the Messiah. I don't think, or maybe he does. He confirms it when. With the, with the woman at the well. Yes. The Samaritan woman. Yes. Which right. is, is not really. And then there's one day where he, maybe if not verbally, he does everything he says to say, I am, I'm the one you've been waiting for. Palm Sunday. Okay. Yeah. So. Right. In Palm he does... Sunday, he goes public with who, who he is. Right. But I don't want to talk too much about that because I'm going to do a whole sermon on that. So. <laughs> coming okay. On, uh, coming on Palm Sunday. Okay. Yeah. That makes sense. <laughs> Um, but yeah, so is there, is there other times like this? And I guess we, you were explaining before with the, like, I am the bread of life and stuff like that. So how many other times do we miss, um, the fact of Jesus flat out, like indiscreetly being like, I'm the Messiah because we don't, don't, we're not as versed in the Jewish, the Old Testament Jewish scriptures and cultural context. And And I think, I mean, the word Messiah captures a lot. Mm. Oftentimes it's more like he's the fulfillment of the point of it all, which is not directly saying the Messiah. Mm. So in here, I mean, the the I am the vine is not connected to the messianic prophecies. Right. It's true. So it's, it's still applicable, but it's not direct, mm-hmm. if, that, if, if that makes sense. Um, and there's others I, I think of where he says, come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Mm -hmm. And he also talks about, I'm the the Lord of the Sabbath. Yep. And those are not directly messianic, but it's saying he's fulfilling what the scriptural, scripture was always meant to, what the law was always meant to do. Mm -hmm. And he could fulfill that in a way that the law can't. So that's, in that sense, it is messianic. Right. Yeah, because I, I was thinking last week with InterVarsity, we were talking about a psalm, and the psalm talks about how, like, God is the only one who can, like, calm the wind and the waves. And then with the students, I was like, so then we, you know, flip to the Gospels. Okay. And Jesus, like, tells the wind and waves be still, and the disciples are just like, who is this man that the wind and waves listen to him? And it's right. like, yeah, because, like, to them, like, only God could do that, and but there's a physical person. Yeah. So... Yeah, that's yeah. exactly the kind of things that that keeps happening in the um in in all that he's all that he's doing. Mhm. Cool. Um I had a thought. Nope, it's gone. All right. <laughs> um okay, so you you made you made the point that in the at least especially the ESV translation we were reading that the idea of like the disciples being clean um was the same as the same word in Greek as uh pruning yes and so like besides so so verse two yeah it says my father is the gardener and he prunes every branch in me so that it might bear more fruit Mm -hmm. so the word is something to do with catharsis catharsis yeah i had looked it up and and then in verse three jesus says you are already clean because the word I spoke to you, and I, mm-hmm. I didn't get much of a chance to go into that. I would have liked to, to maybe delve deeper. Um, but 
so the basically saying my father is pruning will will be pruning the branches Mm -hmm. and then jesus you've already been pruned because you've been sitting under my word Mm -hmm. you've been listening to me for these three years he's already been doing this work in your life this is this will not be something new for you Mm -hmm. because you've experienced that with me and now my father's going to continue to prune those those branches that are in me Mm -hmm. and so it really comes down to if you're connected into me you get pruned that you might bear much fruit Mm -hmm. if you're not then you're withering you're dry you're dead you're dead wood and you get tossed into the fire so i think we go back to the the harshness again (laughs) but i mean (laughs) the the, sometimes it feels that way but but yeah it's the cleansing and so i made the point that we all need spiritual renewal Mm. And I don't know if I understood that as much when I was younger. Funny enough, the older I get, the more I see my need for mm. this pruning, this cleansing power of, of Christ in me and, and that. Mm-hmm. And what, so the, because obviously the ESV, you know, when they translated it the, the second time of the use of the Greek word for pruning, they translated it to clean. And so what, like... I think it's the word, the word is to clean, but they, they translate it to prune when, when it was... So the natural, the natural meaning of the word is clean. Okay. So... I, I thought I looked it up and it was the other way around. Yeah, I, hey, you know, <laughs> I, I'm going off memory. Okay. But, um, yeah, no, I'll look that up and we can clarify that next time. Okay. There you go. That sounds good. We'll, we'll... So you think it's the word is to prune... And they changed it to clean later. Mm-hmm. Okay. Because yeah, and I was trying to think of what the good like what what the connection between like the biblical understanding of what was clean and unclean, and how would, that would be similar to pruning. Okay. But we can, we can check. Well, pruning it, it really does mean it's taking the stuff out of our life that doesn't belong. Right. Because so... that would be the the biblical understanding of cleanliness was removing impurities and things that reminded you of like death. And stuff. Yes. Yeah. So that would be the same as pruning. Yeah, that'd be related. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um. The okay, so the after that, obviously, the whole point of being pruned is to bear fruit. Um. And so, bearing fruit to me seems like an active verb, like you're you're doing something. Yeah. Whereas, like the whole way we bear fruit according to this parable is that we remain Mm. which seems more passive and so i was just kind of curious because like you know is there is this something we do or something that's done to us and is this why like you said that jesus is the most important thing we do like just being with him yeah and that's that's a great point because there is a sense of remaining that it is it, it isn't um, active it is it's it's staying with Christ and um, letting his work flow through us mm. and and you know you can look at how Paul talks about you know we're not saved by our works um, you could look how he says you know one waters one plants but only God can make anything grow mm-hmm. and so it is 
it is God's action through us that matters more than, in a sense, our skills, our abilities, our even our faithfulness at times, though our faithfulness is important. Mm-hmm. Um, and at the same time, though, I think remaining is has an active component because you got to decide you will not be. And I mean, you think about if you if you have a soldiers and you say, guard this bridge, remain here, mm-hmm. that is not passive. They will have to be active yeah. in doing what it takes to remain where they are. And in the same way, remaining in Christ is an action. Mm-hmm. In that it's, you know, you you are deciding, you are taking taking steps that he is going to be at the center of your focus and heart and mind. Mm. It reminds me of... There was an inter-varsity phrase that we would always say where it was like 100% God and 100% us. Okay. And that's almost what, like, this idea of remaining is like. It, it's it's totally God. Like, God needs to fill us. Otherwise, yeah. we can't bear fruit. But also, like, we need to make the same decision that we want that. Yeah. And work actively to, you know, create spaces in our lives for God to work in us. Right. And I, I guess... I mean, one reason why I keep saying young life, we always came back to that. John 15 is, is we really did emphasize or, you know, both it was emphasized to me when I was younger. And then I probably did the same emphasizing <laughs> is that apart from me, you can do nothing. You you can't grow this fruit on your own. Mm-hmm. And whether you define that fruit, um, and in this case, I mostly define it as the fruits of the spirit that grow out of our lives, love, joy, peace, you know, mm-hmm. the spiritual renewal that takes place and the, the character qualities that get infused to us. Or sometimes the fruit is thought of as, as, as successful ministry, mm-hmm. as, in, as in reaching people and seeing things happen through the work that you're doing. But either way, it's still true is you need God's power to do it. Mm-hmm. And, um, but if you don't, do the activeness of remaining, then, you know, then you're nothing but a withering branch. Mm -hmm. And so there's nothing produced anyways. So it's not work, but it is work. Yeah. Yeah. Hmm. So I, I can't, couldn't help myself. I had to look up. um, I knew it. (laughs) So, okay. Uh, Kathare. um, So the father... Kathire is 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 a word that's often to do with cleaning. Um, okay. Already, you are the ones made clean, Katharoy. So, I, I partly I know this because my daughter's name's Catherine. Ah. So that's a um, comes from all, far enough back. It's it's actually the Greek word that one who's been made clean. So Jesus, in some ways, was doing a pun. He absolutely and was. Play words. Yeah. Wordplay. Or at least, <laughs> yeah, um, it comes off that way in Greek. Yes, right, yeah. right. In Greek, he was doing a wordplay. Yeah. Which is lost on most of us. <laughs> yes, yeah, it, it likely is. Um, and I don't know if I ever saw it before, so I it was looking at this in the Greek version when I first, I'm like, oh, okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I guess you're right. The more I'm thinking about it, that it was an intentional pun. You are already pruned, cleaned because of me. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Um, Okay, so thinking about the fruit as the fruit of the Spirit, 
um, from Galatians 5. Uh-huh. So something that, and this is more of a like practical question. So something that has happened to me is that, you know, people see a lot of the fruits of the spirits and they just go like, oh, that's a great person. And like, so it's the, like, how do we get people to see past the like, oh, that's just like, like Jessica's just a super kind like person to like, oh, that's like the Holy Spirit working in them or that's like Jesus through them. That's such a great question. And I've thought a lot about the answer because I've seen the same dynamic, Mm -hmm. right? Oh, you're just doing this because of you. Yeah. And the only answer I've been able to come up with is community. That's, yeah. You, you know, if you see it in one person, it's just them. But when you're drawn in and you see it taking place within a community, and that that's why I think God puts the branches together into a vineyard, you know, not just... Mm-hmm. Um, so that's why the church together is important. Yeah. Um, then you start to see, no, this is not just them. It's God, God's doing this in all these people. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think that like, for me, that was like one of the biggest reasons why I loved when I got to mix my like social circles mm. and have like non-Christian friends hang out with my Christian friends and become yeah. m- mutual friends. Cause then like you have multiple Christians building into one life yeah. um, type of thing. And how do you do that? Well, I don't do it well. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, I'd like to do better. But, like, things like game nights or, like, you know, less places where people can, you know, chat about life and, like, potentially do life together without being like, oh, let's study scripture. Yes. Um, Yeah, in fact, there was a, we did a, we're doing tubing with the church this, this Sunday, but, or Saturday. But actually, this last Saturday, I ended up getting invited to a tubing thing that, um, and there were a mix of Christian parents and others bringing their kids. Mm -hmm. And so, yeah, you're right. It's those kind of activities um, where we kind of almost, there there can be neutral territory. So. Yeah. Yeah. Especially then if it becomes like consistent, like a a book club or like something like that. Yeah. It's a. Walking club, cycling club. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Cool. That's a side side point. That wasn't even on the thing. No. But. Yeah. Um, okay. So last, uh, last one. So you kind of concluded the sermon after, like, after hitting on the, the point that our, like, first job is to just, like, remain in Jesus. Like, that, yeah. that is our first job. Um, you kind of broke it out into a couple of ways that we could actively remain. Um, and I just want to say I appreciate that you like so nicely worded them so the first one is a pun which i don't think you even caught and i'm embarrassed to say (laughs) i i did not even catch my own pun yep yeah so the first one was stick with jesus and we're talking about (laughs) branches branches so um and then all the rest of them are all about staying and we're we're talking about remaining and abiding Mm -hmm. so stay connected to his word stay connected through his people stay connected by putting his teachings into practice and stay focused Yes. Um, and so, what was the question I had? Hold on. Oh, okay. So, how do you think that one of the issues that we as the church sometimes have is that we focus more on these active things that we can do instead of focusing on the whole reason of why we're doing it, of like the goal is to remain in Jesus? Yeah. 
Yeah, you can always end up substituting the the religious activity for the real thing. Mm-hmm. Um, but if you don't have the structure of the or the spiritual disciplines built into your life, then it's too ephemeral to to hold you to anything. Mm-hmm. So. I think you you need to practice. You could just call these spiritual disciplines, right? The yeah. time in the Word, coming engaged with church community, um, you know, all, all all the things that that would be in this. And I guess really that's where the last one is: stay focused. Mm. Is it's keep in mind that that it is about growing and knowing Jesus more and more. Yeah. Um. So I. I I'm not saying you shouldn't worry at all about, you know, becoming too focused on the activities. I see more danger of people giving up the spiritual disciplines and, mm-hmm. you know, losing the the connection that way because they're not giving enough time to to even invest in, in their relationship with the Lord. Yeah. Yeah. I'm trying to, there's a phrase that I now remember hearing in university that's bouncing around in my head, but I can't fully remember it, but it was like, we never, I think it was, we never drift into holiness. Mm. Like, we, like, that's just, we have a sin condition. So we, we just naturally drift that way, not into, right. not into righteousness or like into our relationship. And so having some sort of structure, even if like the season we're in doesn't allow our like normal structure. Yeah. Um, having something um, helps. Yeah. I think I can imagine religious environments um where where it was set up that you know you 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 could elevate yourself through certain practices mm-hmm. and I guess you could say the the Pharisees kind of did that the legalism right. yeah um other times were like you know the monastic age when it was like see who could be the most holy and endure the worst conditions mm-hmm. and you prove your holiness that way like in any time where you're in an age where you know you you might be tempted to prove your holiness mm. that i could see where the your, the actions would actually distract you from a real connection with jesus right. we're not in such an age you're we're in such an age where you're more like be made fun of for mm-hmm. you know having a bible with you at school or whatever so um yeah yeah Interesting, interesting question. Good. Mm. Um, do you have any other before we close? I don't know. I don't think. I think we hit all the good points. <laughs> what are we talking this next week? Well, we're moving on into John fifteen, and the key phrase that gets repeated more than once is "love one another." Mm-hmm. So, what does that mean? So that's where we're. Heading in in John this coming week. Fun. All right. All right. Well, thank you as always, and uh, see you next week. All right. See you, Jessica.